When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Press Row. Behind-the-scenes stories from the world of sports media. Press Row. Insight and interviews from around the sports world. Now, here's your host, Jonah Siegel. Welcome back. Believe in the press row. Jonah here in Seattle. Where have all the rivalries gone in the NHL? That's a question that occurred to me as the dog days of winter hit us early in January, even before the NHL All-Star Game began. Why is it that we no longer look forward to any games upcoming in the NHL schedule anymore? For me, I remember the days when the Leafs would play the Wings, That's a long time ago when the Norris division was a thing. Then there was the ultimate good versus evil rivalry with the Ottawa Senators. Even that too has died. When the Leafs sucked in the years past, and my attitude was, they can lose all the games in the year as long as they beat the Senators. Now, it's just another game. So with so much news these days about the Senators, I was really excited to sit down and chat with Bruce Garriock of the Ottawa Sun. You know Bruce as he's on TSN Senators coverage. He used to be a regular on the Hot Stove Lounge on Hockey Night in Canada. And of course, he's still writing for the Ottawa Sun. With the Senators about to be sold, a season in disarray, an awesome Bell Lutz talk article, there's a ton to talk about with Bruce. So let's get to it. Welcome back. Believe in the press row. Jonah Siegel here in a gloomy February. Oh, not, not February. I jumped ahead of myself. If, I wish it was February because it's my least my least favorite month of the year. Uh, a gloomy, typical Seattle day here, the end of January. And uh, I am super excited. I, I just said to the to the guest uh, who, if you are watching, you can see sitting in front of you. Um, and, and I will say I'll, I will jump ahead. It's nice to see the face because if you used to watch Hockey Night in Canada, and the second period used to come on. We used to see this face a lot more regularly than we do now on our TVs. Um, I'm very excited, like really excited to have to have today's guest with us because it's not someone I've ever talked to before. Uh, someone who whose opinion I really respect, and and I'll get into why I'm really excited to to talk to him. But he is uh, the beat writer for your Ottawa Senators. He's Bruce Garriock. Bruce, how are you? Jonah, good to see you. Good to e-meet you and good to talk to you. I can tell you, I think I would take a gloomy day in Seattle with no snow compared to the 25 centimeters that I had to move yesterday. So um, from my driveway. Now, I am a good neighbor because I did five driveways when I went out yesterday. Well, so. you're a good you're a good man, Charlie Brown. I, I will say <laughs> we'll say two things. I don't want this to be a show about the weather, but one. I would take 25 centimeters of snow if I got the occasional day of sunshine. Uh, cold yeah. and sun I can deal with. It's yeah. the it's the cold, it's the damp and gloomy that really gets people down. And a, a doctor I am not. I never believed in seasonal depression until I lived out here. 
and and just yeah. the constant gray is it wears on you. I do have good news yeah, for it... you, Bruce. I was just at CES in Las Vegas, and I saw uh, the dream machine for every Canadian, and that is they've invented a robotic self-driving snowblower. Uh, <laughs> I, I watched it there. It is coming. It is ready for market. It works like a home vacuum cleaner, which I happen to have. Oh Basically, my gosh! I can send you the video. I can. I'll put it in the blog uh, for everybody to watch because I have it. Yeah, it is the coolest thing ever for sure. But basically, yeah. you, you set the thing up. It senses when the snow lands, and it automatically goes out and and snow blows your driveway for you. I don't know and if it'll do your on, neighbors, but it'll do yours. And I was on the. I was funny. We were out in Tempe uh, ten days ago, and of course, you know the rink is located on the campus of uh, the uh, Arizona State University. And uh, I went out for a walk at lunch. And a robot passed me on the sidewalk carrying pizza. Yeah, it's delivering I'm like, food. Are you kidding me? Yeah, in a prior life, my uh, my business was was <laughs> building those robots. This is George Jetson stuff to me, you know. <laughs> well, so we'll we'll take a, a right turn again. And I, as I said, I was just at CES, and I go almost every year. And I will say that the coolest thing about CES this year is that the technology that we saw at CES this year is all coming now it used to be you go to ces yeah it used to be like going yeah. to the detroit auto show and they, they'd show you these cars that you'd never see in our lifetime space age yeah yeah everything yeah, at ces sure. is now coming now um those robots we built them five six years ago uh they are now here yeah you can get on most college campuses in the u.s food gets delivered to dorms by robot it's pretty yeah. cool amazing so you yeah. you've and answered I, I mean no go ahead I, I mean, and you know, I just live in little old Canada, right? Where you know we haven't gotten that far yet. So we just, I, I mean, we just got skipped the dishes and Uber Eats. So <laughs> we think that's great. <laughs> well, Canada and and Toronto and 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 Ottawa and Vancouver are always, you know, six or seven months behind everything. But I see with with the crime going on in Toronto, anyways, and on the TTC. They're really trying to close the gap on, on, on the U.S. and keep up with the crime and what's going on. So everyone's doing their part there. Um, you've answered one of my questions. You wrote a fantastic article recently about with uh, the Bell Lock Let's Talk about you not traveling, but you just said you were recently in Tempe. So when did you go back on the road? Well, um, we were off the road for... Um... Uh, almost two years and uh, just at the end of last year you know um, I I've been pretty open with the fact that that uh, travel costs me uh, causes me anxiety um, I I took medication I, I realized that this wasn't this wasn't just Jonah this wasn't just overtaking um, you know this wasn't just about travel anymore it was overtaking my life I wasn't I'm usually pretty fun to be around. Uh, I think I reached a point in in 20, um, 2019 or 2018 where I wasn't any fun to be around anymore, where travel would stress me out. I'd start getting uh, upset about um, three days before I traveled. And it got to the point where I just I had to pull the plug on travel. Um, but last year at the end of the year, I decided I'm going to do a couple of trips um, because I hadn't done any since COVID. 
And I, you know, fully vaccinated at that point and feeling confident. So I went to Philadelphia road game. I went to road games in Montreal. And this year I've been back on the road regularly. I feel good. I'm not nearly as as uptight. Um, you know, I, I, I travel is fun again. And it wasn't fun for me uh, in the past. Um, you know, I wouldn't sleep very well. Now I kind of sleep like a baby and I just take a little bit of a, a, a little bit of medication for anxiety every morning. I had to make sure I eat um, before I take the medication. And it's, and, um, and it's just I feel good. I feel like myself when I go on the road, I can have fun again and I enjoy it and I enjoy being around the people. So that's been very, very positive. Well, and, and the first the first thing was to admit there was an issue and then go from there. Well, your article is is a good read for those who haven't read it. I'll also add it to the blog when I when I post this pod. Um, I'll tell you a funny story. I I travel a lot. Uh, a typical year, I spend 180 nights a year in a hotel, and I don't cover a hockey team. Um, and I I my vice to get through it, if you will, is not drinking when I travel. Um, and I kind of laugh at those who do. It, I can be on a flight at seven o'clock in the morning and the, the the guy or gal next to me will be ordering drinks multiple. And yeah, okay. literally. And uh, I that was... always throws me off when I'm in an airport and I pass the bar at like 7 a.m. and people are sitting there having a pint. Like, so, okay. Okay. So here's the funny thing. So I'm at the Denver airport and one of my memberships gets me a free free meal at the Denver airport. And I'm there at seven o'clock in the morning and the bar is packed. And these three ladies next to me are pounding at 7 a.m. And they look at me and they say, why do you keep laughing? And I said, I'm just jealous that you can drink this heavily at 7 a.m. And they said, do you know why we drink? And I said, because you're going on vacation. They said, no, we're going on work trips, but we're terrified of flying. And the only thing that we can do yeah. to get through the flight is to drink. And I was like, wow. And they went around the bar and 80, eight out of 10 people sitting at the bar drinking. So that's why they were drinking. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and I, I mean, so you're not alone. Uh, yeah, there are people I, I that... don't, but I don't, it's funny. Like, Jonah, I don't fear flying. I just fear, I, I feared everything that went I hear with you. it. That, I got it. You know, getting, making sure I'm at the airport on time, not missing a wake up call. You know, if if I had a, if I had a, uh, let's say a 4am wake up call, like I remember one night in Dallas going to bed at midnight and being up at 2am right? and I didn't have to get up till four. No, no, I get it. You know, and, yep. you know, to, to, to catch my flight back to Toronto and then home. So it's, it's anyway, it, it's, it's been much easier this year. Let's put it that way. Well, good, good for you for admitting it, seeking help and, and taking care of yourself. That those are the most important parts. And, and thank you for sharing your journey. Cause we may not know who specifically, but I guarantee you've helped others deal with their issues too. Um, so you started way back when in 1988 with the sun, I believe. Yeah, that was when the sun came into existence. Now, I was at a Sunday paper in Ottawa called the Sunday Herald. I started there. Uh, I was going to journalism school here in 1986 um, at Algonquin College, and I got a job in my second year. I did the stats. Uh, I started part-time in September of 85, doing the stats on Saturdays. Um, 
And what I did was I go in at 9 a.m. And the first thing that I have to do is go to the bus station. Um, I, I take the bus to work and I'd have to stop at the Voyager Colonial bus station and pick up. We had right uh, two guys who covered the Montreal Canadiens and the uh, Montreal Expos at the time. One was uh, Brody Snyder and the other was Glenn Cole. And they would send their columns by bus on Friday night. And I would go get their columns, go back. And the first thing I do on Saturday morning is type in their columns and get them ready to go on the page. And um, then I'd start figuring out, you know, what what games were on that night uh, at at. One or two o'clock, I went and got everybody lunch. At seven o'clock, I went and got everybody dinner. And then we'd finish around deadline in those days. Joanna was like, what time do you think it can be done? I, I think <laughs> I can be done by midnight. Well, okay, get it done by midnight. You know, um, there was no immediacy. But all that to say was I made $75. I worked 15 hours. I made $5 an hour. And I made 75 bucks for my Saturday shift. And, um, you know what, it was the best, but I learned more there. And then I got hired full-time by then. And then we got bought by the Sun in 1988. It covered the Rough Riders for four years. And then uh, when the hockey team moved in, I started covering the Senators in 1992. So it's been, it's been a pretty good run. Touch wood, it'll continue for a bit here. Yeah, it's uh, unbelievable. You, you, you've certainly been there through, through thick and thin. Um, I, uh, it's been an interesting run for the senators, uh, and, and an interesting run of some pretty awful luck. I, I was thinking about this yeah. last night and, and I'm sure you're gonna, you're gonna fill in some blanks that I'm missing, but you know, you had the tragedy with, with Luke Richardson and his, I think it was his daughter who tragically died. Yeah. Um, Darren. And then their owner passed away. Uh, now you've got a coach who's been diagnosed with ALS. Those are, and those are just three. And I, and I think there were some other incidents that, that are in between that I'm sure I've forgotten of. That's a lot of dark clouds around one organization in a relatively short amount of time. Tough to cover those things no? Yeah. And, and then, and, you know, obviously I was there when Luke Richardson's daughter died, um, um, you know, Darren and, uh, I think that the Richardson family has done a tremendous job uh, carrying on her legacy through the uh, Do It For Darren organization. I think if you Luke, look at Luke Richardson behind the Chicago bench, uh, many nights he's wearing a purple tie. That's in, in honor of his daughter, Darren, who who loved the color purple. Um, you know, his wife, Stephanie, they still live in Ottawa in the offseason. His wife, Stephanie, was actually on the ice the other night, uh, for the hockey talks uh, conversation night. And, um, you know, so they, they've done a lot. Um, you know, the, the, the loss of Eugene Melnick, uh, while unexpected was I had seen him, um, in the last game I saw him at was, uh, I think January 25th or 28th last year. It was the game where, um, Aaron Dell, um, Aaron Dell took out, uh, Drake Batherson and caused him to have a high ankle sprain. And um, uh, Eugene was at that game and I went down to talk to him and he didn't look very good. And I, I asked him about three times, how you doing? 
And uh, he said, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm fine. And you know what? If you talked to him on the phone, you you wouldn't have known anything was wrong with him. And uh, then I, I exchanged texts with him till around March 1st. And then in, then I didn't hear from him again. And, and I figured, you know, uh, you know, that it wasn't, it wasn't very good. And obviously after the lengthy illness, um, and, uh, you know, this latest news with Bob Jones, um, he found out before Christmas, um, he wanted to get more tests. Uh, this is really, really difficult for Bob and his family. Uh, I think it's very, very, uh, brave of him to share his story and his family to share the story, to raise awareness for ALS and maybe raise some money uh, to help find a cure because, uh, you know, there is no cure right now. And obviously, uh, you have you met Bob Jones. Bob Jones is just a great guy. I mean, you know, whether it's – and those coaches, they spend hours together. You know, I, I walked into uh, – I walked into a bar in um, in Dallas – um, I don't know. It, if, sometime in December, and you know they 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 happen to be sitting there, right? and, and so I went in and uh, had a beer with them, and they're you know it's just listen interesting to listen to them talk hockey because they talk hockey on a, a different level than you and I, and and they were talking about an aspect of the game that the an area of the game that they've been struggling with, and. You know, DJ and the staff, they just said, you know what, we're going to do it this way and we're not going to change. And Bob was like, yeah, we should because we've changed it three or four times and the players are thinking too much. And, and Davis Payne was there and he agreed. And 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 for, it was interesting that at that aspect of their game after that completely changed. And it, it went well for about six weeks, but that in the last two weeks or so... <laughs> it's kind of all fallen off the rails, but Bob is just a really good guy. He's a very funny guy. And uh, I just wish the best for him. And, you know, it, it's tough, uh, but uh, it, it was nice to see the other night, uh, Josh Norris hand him the kind of the player of the game award um, just for his contribution. So selfishly, one of the reasons I was most excited to talk to you is that growing up in Toronto, the biggest rivalry that I remember the Maple Leafs having was with the Red Incredible. Wings. Was with the Red Wings, and yeah. then that kind of dissipated when they moved. And then the Leafs, it wasn't the Habs. The Leafs, the team I hated the most was the Senators. Those those battles in the playoffs between you know Tucker and Alfredson, th those groups especially, yeah. that was I hockey, right? Like those, I don't it. it the, the great thing about the Leafs, so Jonah, was they had all those characters. They had Gary Roberts. They had Joe Newendike. They had Darcy Tucker. They had Shane Corson. Um, Pat Quinn was a villain. Uh, you know, you said Daniel Alfredson was a villain. Like, people, people in Toronto hated Daniel Alfredson. So, um, but that's my point. No, but no, but that's my point. My point is people used to say to me, like my son got was playing hockey in Toronto and he ended up playing on a team called the Canadians. And people are like, you're going to let your kid wear that. I'm like, who are the <laughs> Canadians? Like, I don't even care as long as he's yeah. not playing for a team called the senators. Right. Yeah. And yeah. It kind of breaks my heart that 
they play the senators now and it's like wah 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 like who cares like it's it's yeah the rivalry's there but it's not so and 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 and, and it's funny Jonah because that's what it needs it needs another playoff series Ottawa now it's kind of like they've gone through bad times at different times you know Toronto went through that lengthy the the one story and I've written it a million times is that and 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 I've had to kind of stop myself from from writing it the last couple of years because I ran into a cycle where every time they they played the Leafs, I go, you know, this this rivalry doesn't have any characters anymore, and it doesn't. There's nobody on either team that anybody really can't stand. I think people in Ottawa do they love Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner? No, but I think they respect the way they play. Um, but don't you know, they need? I think sorry, that, but don't I, I don't like interrupting. But but don't yeah, they need yeah, to don't, don't don't they need to beat the shit out of each other in a playoff series to hate yes. them? Yes, absolutely, and, and and that's why and that's why Ottawa's rivalry with with Montreal became better because in 2015, you know, um, Paul McLean and and Michelle Therrien went toe to toe, you know, right. in in a playoff series. Or maybe yeah, 2015 I think. And and so we'll forgive you. It's eight years ago. <laughs> yeah, and 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 it and 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 you're right. Like we can't. No, we can't have the days of Pat Quinn and Ty Domi and Darcy Tucker. You know the the the. I remember that night that Ottawa was down to like seven players on their bench, and they had an illness and going through their locker room, and guys kept leaving the bench. And at the end of the game. Had seven players left, and and I think it was um. So they asked one of the Leafs, and the Leafs player said it was Owen Nolan, and Owen Nolan said, "Well, boo hoo, right?" You know? So what? They're sick, right? And like, didn't Alfredson throw it, it something? And didn't Alfredson yeah, throw something into the stands one night? Well, that was one of the great ones. Was that he faked? Remember, Sundin had been suspended by the league for a game for throwing his broken stick into the stands, I think against the Nashville Predators. So Sundin serves his suspension. He comes back the next game. Alfred, the Ottawa's in there. They're, I think they were kicking the hell out of the Leafs at the time. Might have been five or it was six. Ugly. One. It was an ugly game. Yeah, Alfredson breaks his stick and he pretends to throw it in the stands. He was booed mercilessly every time after that. Of course, and then that playoff series. Remember, um, the the I just Ottawa could never close Toronto out. I mean, there were so many. Uh, you know, remember they got up, they got up three one in a series, and that was the that was the series where Melnick they got up three one, and Melnick says. I can't wait for right. us to close this right. out, and you know, isn't that where I'm he trashed the sitting... locker room or something? Well, yeah, that was a rumor, right? Yeah, but so he he um he says I'll just be sitting in my in my private box enjoying a beer and watching us beat these guys. And you know he's a Toronto guy, right? Right. And um, then of course, then it comes to three two, or maybe it was three two, and they tied. Yes, they had two chances close So they lost. Christopher Olson. Hits Ty Domi into the glass in Ottawa in game six. Domi bleeds like he's never yeah. bled before. 
right? Like nobody ever saw Ty Domi right. bleed. <laughs> and of course, people in Ottawa thought he had the ketchup packs in his helmet or something. <laughs> but he gets hit by Chris Rolson. Well, now there's game seven. And and at the time Ottawa is up two or three nothing. Like they scored a couple of quick goals on, on Curtis Joseph. And um then they lost in game seven. And that was one that Chase Patrick Willem, uh Doc Martin got fired. Like after that, the cent underwent the centers underwent wholesale changes. Of course, and then they get to Stanley Cup final in 2007, and all the Leaf fans say, Well, they ain't get by Toronto, so you know, it doesn't mean anything. That's <laughs> like, but this is my point. Like, my point is there's 81 games now. We're sitting here, it's January 27th. If you if you, nobody picks up a paper, if if you open up your Please. web, if no, no, but if you open up your web browser and you read a paper, I'm being, I'm being kind, I promise. So if you, if you're looking at a web, a paper online, you're reading a blog, you're listening to a podcast, or you're listening to the radio. Everyone already knows that who your teams are playing in the playoffs. There's no meaningful games on the schedule anymore. Nobody like it's, it's you're gonna go to a game. It's one of eighty-one. Yawn. Those meaningful yeah. tilts don't exist anymore. That's what I think well, is so sad. And as much as I hate your team, I want them to get better. I want them to improve so that there is a meaningful game. Because right now, it just doesn't matter. It's really sad. Yeah, and it would be good if both teams in Ontario were back to being good at the same time. And, right. And, and you're right. That's that's one of the issues, Jonas. You know, Toronto went through that dark period. Now Ottawa's going through that period where, you know, they're going to miss the playoffs for the sixth straight year. I think, I, I don't think, and, and this could be completely wrong, but I'm not sure since 2004 if they've been in the playoffs at the same time. So the night the Blue Jays were here in Seattle. Oh, they were, they were in the playoffs the year that to Toronto blew the lead against uh, Boston. So, yeah. Thanks. So yeah. the uh that was a great year to remember. Thank you very much. Yeah. So the um the night <clears throat> the Blue Jays opened the series against the Mariners this year. I was driving to the game and I was listening to a, a Toronto radio station in the car with my son and I, I pulled the quote cuz I listened to it last night. The quote was it was just after it was right around the draft I believe. I'm not sure anybody is having a better NHL offseason than Ottawa GM Pierre Dorian. Yeah. Like they had yeah. basically given him, if yeah. there was an award, they'd given him an award for best offseason. Like what happened? Yeah. In your opinion? Well, I, th I think a couple of things. I think number one, um, this team has not played very well defensively. And as much as they brought in all his talent, um, they've gotten no secondary scoring from the bottom two lines. Um, they, they didn't get, they, they talked about getting a right shot defenseman. They didn't go get one. Um, and, and I understand them not wanting to pay two first round picks and one of their better prospects, either a Ridley Gregg or a Mad Sogard, uh, their goaltender in Belleville for, for a guy like Jacob Chikrin and, and Chikrin was hurt through most of the summer. So there was some risk involved there. There would be no blaming and saying, you know, let's see the guy play first now. Now he's come back and played really well. Um, and and I think uh, one of the things, Jonah, that I thought would be way better this season 
And now Cam Talbot is hurt. Is uh, their their goaltending has not shown any form of consistency whatsoever. And um, they lost their top center, Josh Norris. Uh, now for the balance of the season, they lost him early. Um, it just seems that uh, adversity has already always been around the corner for this team. And just you know, when you think that they're they're finding their groove. They they can't seem to find consistency, and and now you know with the team for sale, I mean, um, are there really going to be many changes? I don't think so. So that's a good pivot or segue. Yeah. So Melnick yeah. dies. The daughters own the team. To to nobody's surprise, the team's for sale. You've been leading the charge on speculation as to the process. You broke that story. What seems like ages ago. And it seems to have slowed dramatically. Why do you think that is? The the sale? Just the process. It seemed like... Well, I think what happened was um, a couple things. They wanted to open the room to for the, the due diligence room on December 1 and have it open until December 31st. Um, so for, for those weren't... listening, the room is an electronic data room where... Yes. Those those who are invited to participate get exclusive access to look at the books uh, digitally. Right. So that that's what yeah. Bruce is referring to. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So so now they can't. They didn't get the room open on time um, because they didn't have all the financial information that they needed from the estate. Eugene Melnick's estate is still being evaluated as we speak, uh, but they were at a point where they felt they could open it. They opened it. Uh, 10 days ago. Uh, and I guess the question is, how long is it open? How long does that New York sports banker leave it open? How many people are in that room? Now, more than a dozen people applied by signing NDAs. I can tell you, not all of those people were granted um, access to the, to the financial data because the league doesn't want to show just 12. anybody it's financial data um i think i think we're in a period here when so once what's going to happen here is the, the other thing that was holding things up by the way is i should add is the vetting because the league didn't want to allow just anybody in so they they've had to vet everybody so i think what's going to happen here is when the betting starts um and i would expect to anticipate that that's if we're getting February 1st, it's going to be sometime soon. Um, I would assume that we'd know who the owner of the Ottawa Senators will be by March 1 at the absolute latest. Um, so, so is it safe to say that Batman A wants a horse race? So he wants at least two or three parties to be able to bid. Bidding is good. Yes. And two, he knows who he wants bidding. So, yes, 100%. He, okay. he knows who he wants to own the team, don't you? Don't you think? I mean, that's every that's every discussion I have with people is I, I think that the league knows essentially who they want to own the team. So do you think um, do you have any idea who he, who that party is? Well, it, it look, I believe the front runners are two people because one is in the club and one has been in the club. Um I think the front runner, one of the front runners. Runners is Michael Anlauer, the Hamilton-based billionaire uh, who owns a trucking company. And that trucking company, I believe, um, 
had the had the uh, the uh, contract with the federal government here to move all the COVID nineteen vaccines. Um, and I think he's put together a pretty good partnership uh, with Rocco Tulio, the owner of the uh, of the um, uh, Oshawa Generals, and who also had made a bid for the senators. He offered Eugene Malik six hundred fifty million uh, before he died. Um, and Melnick said no. And I think the other group that's involved is is uh, Jeffrey Michael Kimmel, uh, the Toronto-based uh, billionaires um, who who had spoken. They they reached out to Eugene Melnick in December of I guess it would be twenty twenty one. Yeah, twenty twenty one, Jonah to to see if they he wanted to partner up at LeBreton. Gary Batman told Eugene, make a bid on LeBreton, but don't partner up with anybody because the partnership was what made it fall apart last time. Get the rights first, then decide on your partner. And I, I believe that Jeffrey Michael Kimmel owned 20% of the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Michael Kimmel sat on their uh, executive board. Um Jeffrey uh, uh, Michael Anlauer owns. Uh, there's very people say twenty percent of the Montreal Canadiens. It might not be that much, um, but all this to say, Michael Anlauer attends Board of Governors meetings. I would think Jeffrey or Michael Kimmel uh, has attended Board of Governors meetings. You're you're better to go with who you know, right? All right. So there seems to be a, so, a bit of. So tell tell us what kind of players they are. <laughs> so <laughs> the Kimmel family, come on. So him, uh, was he? You said you played up pick up hockey with Michael, right? Was it? We played we played hockey with them in a pickup league, yeah. and they were they were the best two on the ice. I can tell you that by oh, far, yeah, yeah okay. by far. Um, what's the fascination with with Ryan Reynolds? Like, is it really? Real? Uh, yeah, I think it's real, but I think the fascination is his reach okay. and what he could bring to the franchise. You know, I heard Gary Bettman say at the uh, Board of Governors meetings, um, I think it was in uh, in uh, December, that he and Bill Daly had met with um, had met with Reynolds, and Reynolds said that his social media reach was a hundred million people. And I think, I think that's why the league has told them, Jonah, that anybody who buys this team, they want Reynolds to play some kind of role in it, um, because he's going to do a, you know, he's going to do a welcome to Wrexham type series here. Uh, he's going to expand the brand. He'll take people through the, the building of the new arena at LeBreton Flats. That's why, and, and I didn't even mention that. That's why this team is so attractive. It's all you, about the real got, the real estate in a new arena. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why this deal has to be done. As you say, it's dragged on a bit longer than I thought. And that's why this deal has to be done so quickly because you have to negotiate that lease of LeBreton Flats, and that's got to be done by September. So you can't they can't really afford to to take much more time here. So for those that don't know, is that piece of property in closer proximity to downtown? Yeah, it's, it's basically the best way I can put it is it's 10 minutes 
by foot west of of Parliament Hill. And so it's it's literally a three minute drive. Um, it's it's um, it's on the LRT when the LRT here works. It's on the LRT line. And, um, and it would revitalize downtown. And the knock on the current arena is that it's out in the sticks. That's yeah, I part mean, of the you knock. know, I mean, yeah, and and you know what? That's people always talk about attendance, and you know, I'm I'm sure some of the attendance issues here had to do with the owner, but I also think their attendance started to slip here, Jonah, when they told people their arena was too far. Right, right. When they when they decided to bid for a rink at La Breton Flats and say we need to be downtown. People all of a sudden said, well, if they think it's too far, what do we think? Right. You know? But I, I have friends in the East End who tell me, well, I can get to the Bell Center quicker. Well, no, you can't. <laughs> okay, so let's like, just just stop that. I mean, I did that drive from the East End for a long time. It was never more than 45 minutes. You know? So um, you used to appear on the Hockey Hot Stove Lounge. I think it's something that's badly missed in the broadcast today. You know, they, they kind of do it with, with Elliot and Jeff. Do you miss it? Yeah, but I, I uh, don't know if you're aware or not, but I do a lot for TSN yeah, right yeah. on now on uh center's broadcast. I do a regular, uh, a regular session called the uh, question period where I talk about the centers. One thing, one thing I've, I've found those that, I've become so busy with the centers. The work I used to do talking to people around the league isn't probably as much as it used to be in the past. And the immediacy, I think the immediacy of the business, you know, when you did the hockey hot stove, Jonah, there was no chance that anything you you said on that Saturday was probably going to appear anywhere else before you got on. Now there's so much immediacy that, I give Elliot and Jeff credit that they're able to keep that under their hats till they get to the second period. Because a lot of times that that stuff, you know, can be blurted out elsewhere. And you well, see it all the time. Well, I, I I miss the hot stove. You know, I miss but the hot stove was the the fun of talking to the people during the day. And um then the the little meeting with Strack and and uh um Ron McLean and 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 maybe it was John Davidson that night before he went on about what everyone was going to discuss and the order you were going to go in and and but I, but my TSN segment for me is perfect because I'm speaking about something I know uh, intimately uh, something I enjoy um, I I watch this team every day I've got good knowledge so it's it's for my for me my segment here is a lot more comfortable. I, it's kind of funny when I was on the hot stove, though, I was really nervous. Like I would just sweat. <laughs> the, uh, I think part of the challenge is the, 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 the juice about the hot, the best part about the hot stove was it was all the vast majority of it was rumors. And back yeah. then things used to happen. When was the last yeah. time there was actually a real hockey trade, right? Like nothing happens yeah, anymore. No. Yeah, no, there's not. You know, hockey trades now happen in the off season. Um, you know, you don't, you know, and and I think, I think general managers still talk a lot with the intention of trying to make a deal. But I, I also think that one of the things that ha that's happened to general managers and is that 
if you make a bad deal or what people, I shouldn't say if you make a bad deal, if you make what people perceive to be a bad deal, you get roasted right away. Right. Like, you know, within, you know, within three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. What, what everybody thinks you're trait, you know? So, and I, and I think that, that has made um, general managers a little shy about pulling the trigger on deals. So you've been around the league literally forever now in the modern era. What's the, what's your, what's the Ottawa perception as of Gary Bettman as commissioner and what's your perception? Well, I think in, in Ottawa, because uh, the team went into bankruptcy in 2003 and is still here, I think his perception here is still good. Uh, I think people um, credit him with the team still being here, with with finding Eugene Melnick as the owner. You know, the only other person interested in 2003 when Eugene Melnick bought the team was Nelson Peltz, who wanted to move it, I think put it on wheels, move it to Portland or Houston at the time. Um, uh, I, I think... I think Gary Bettman has done a lot of good things for the game, but I, the only thing I don't understand is Arizona. I just, you know, I was thinking last 10 days ago when we were there, Jonah, it's the third rink we've been to in Arizona. And when they were downtown in Scottsdale, it, it was then U.S. Air Arena. Um, people were like, no, 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 no. When they moved to Glendale, that's going to be the answer because Glendale people are – Going to go to Glendale, be much easier to get there. The, uh, I don't know how much you've been to Arizona, but there's a lot of driving yeah. involved. Um, so, you know, went to Glendale. Well, a whole lot, they weren't paying their bills at Glendale, and now they're in a 7,000. And look, the atmosphere in Tempe is fantastic. Yeah, it's a college, but, it's a college campus. What do you expect? Yeah, <laughs> but, but my God, no, but my God, like, it's not an HL arena. It's embarrassing. Um. Yeah, and I and I don't I don't know why that team hasn't. Well, I'd like to see it in Quebec City, but or it, yeah, I just don't understand why it hasn't been relocated. You so know? there's and there's... I, I think for some reason he is bound and determined to make that market work. Well, Whereas isn't it... that didn't happen the first time in Winnipeg, right? Isn't it? seeing the revenue success in Seattle and Vegas that if you get the building right and the ownership right, how much money they can make. Cause the team here yeah. and the team in yeah. Vegas yeah. are just printing cash. Yeah. And, and I think that might be the case in Ottawa when, when, you know, they get the right owner and right ownership group and a rink downtown. I, I think you'll be back to your heydays where, um the 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 rink is full and the support is there so so there's a lot of markets that are especially right now very opposed to the hard cap where does ottawa fans sit do they like it do they view it as well, a necessity I, yes, yes because otherwise you know they the can't Trump compete. print money now yeah. right yeah canadian market most of the canadian markets i think outside of ottawa montreal or, or Toronto, Montreal, maybe Vancouver would support a hard cap. Right. I mean, they're also battling the U.S. dollar. Right. You know, right now, um, the U.S. dollar for a long time 
was was almost even with the Canadian dollar. Now it's back up to thirty five forty cents. Um, you know, so I I think people in Ottawa w- want the hard cap. Um, now, if they get to a point where they they're going to have trouble keeping some of those young stars, um, that will be an issue. But right now, I think that it allows it allows them to feel that they can compete. Well, I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, it's good to hear that you're back on the road. I hope that uh, we get to see you when you're here in Seattle. I can take you to an awesome bar right near uh, Climate Pledge, and uh, hopefully you will do it again. Thanks very much, John. It's nice to meet you and we'll t- and talk to you, and we'll take care. We'll talk soon. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this week's In the Press Row. Hope you enjoyed listening to my interview with longtime Ottawa Sun scribe Bruce Garriock as much as I did. If you want to reach me, advertise or appear on the press row, you can do so either via email at jonah at yyzsportsmedia.com or via direct message on Twitter at yyzsportsmedia. If you enjoyed the podcast, please be sure to subscribe wherever you catch your pods. Thanks and catch you next time in the press row. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.